There was an idea. The two podcasters could join together and cover every single superhero television show and movie that exists. Scott and Chris combined their talents to form Binge Storm and to make this idea a reality. Then Barry Allen popped in and reminded us that short of having time-altering super speed, there's no way in hell we can accomplish that in one lifetime. We'll do what we can. Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Wow, hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics with Sirens, a true true freaks guide to heroes on TV, and that's kind of appropriate for some of the shows we talk about. Yes, indeed. There's lots of chaos and law breaking and stuff like that going on. Uh, it is I, Scott, with uh, Pat Delmore tonight. And we, hey, everybody. We almost had, well, we got Hero back for our boys' coverage, which will be before or after this podcast, who knows. Um, but couldn't make it for the first Preacher cast, and this is our first Preacher cast of the final season. <laughs> and it's still not, not okay with that, but we'll, we'll they see. Threw they threw all the money up. in, though. They definitely did, and then they're just pumping stuff out of the comics now, which is awesome. Um, and adding some even more awesome stuff to it. But we are gonna do a giant treasury sized man thing double issue foil cover thing for you tonight and do the first two episodes of Preacher because that's how those those bastards at AMC dropped them for us. One big two hour thing which is actually just two one hour episodes. Weren't You're not fooling us AMC. Um, so we had to watch them both together so we're going to podcast them about them both together because I'm going to try to keep this on track to get these out weekly. Um, and luckily I had a little preview preview and managed to find the uh, episodes on Friday night somehow. I don't know how that happens, but those swarthy pirates are, are clever bastards and they, and they get extra stuff every now and then for you in, in their booty uh, chests. I had to buy these on YouTube. Oh no. Worth it though. I, I yes, definitely need so. to own all of these eventually. Um, hopefully they all come out on Blu-ray stuff. Still beautiful, nowadays, beautiful box for yeah. display. Excellent, because I don't know, like an old church in Texas or something. Eventually, everything's going to go completely digital, and you just don't even know it's going to come out in a hard copy anymore. And I and still, it'll be edited frequently. Yeah, and I still want my hard copies. You know, it's yeah. just like nobody can edit your hard copy, right? And they can't just you know decide to go out of business, and there goes my digital copy into the fucking mm-hmm. ether. You know, so. Anywho, let's get started. Um, they, they hit the ground running, and a little confusingly, um, and the first episode was Masada, as uh, you'll recall. Uh, Mr. Cassidy had been captured by uh, Hairstar, and uh, oh, actually, that reminds me. I'm going to pause here for editing, and I was going to, no, no, we'll do it later. Um, but yep, yeah, Hairstar had uh, kidnapped Cassidy and taken them to the Super Fortress in Masada. And uh, to, you know, presumably lure Jesse and company into his thrall and uh, do what they need to do to get the whole apocalypse rolling, or whatever their nefarious plans are. So I'll let you uh, start with the, 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 we actually did a flash forward, which is something we see on Preacher a lot, but we will uh, let you start that off, Pat. All right. 
Tulip is in her room smoking and hears a man screaming outside. Cassidy comes in and Tulip says it feels like the end. Cassidy admits that all that they all have to die sometime. He comments that she's drinking a lot of beers and tells her a joke about two fishermen lost at sea who find a genie. Involves uh, turning the uh, turning the entire ocean into Guinness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tulip chuckles at the punchline and then kisses Cassidy. They stare at each other for a moment and they both kiss and fall back on the bed. Jesse falls through the sky and crashes to the ground in Australia. And then we get uh, other title words on the screen saying, a couple months before, uh, Tulip and Jesse drive through the Middle East somewhere, uh, presumably on their way to Masada. Uh, Jesse tells her that he loves her. They confirm that his love is until the end of the world. Hmm, Foreshadowing. At the Grail's base in Masada, um, Featherstone goes into Cassidy's cell, and the angel is chained up above him watching. Um, We still don't have a lot of information on who that guy is. Featherstone has Cassidy shackle and takes him to the Grail's command center, and Cassidy points out that Jesse got his powers back, and he's on his way to come get me. And Lara Featherstone says that Cassidy is there as bait, course and takes him into a classroom for torture a beautiful little scene going through you know school hallway and beginning torture and intermediate torture and of course uh, Cassidy gets brought to the advanced torture classroom which uh, originally says comparative French literature right the door, yeah, 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 the yeah just uh, it's just too much to even cover in a recap and thank you for your memory on that one uh, and the class we find is taught by Frankie Toscani, uh, who's apparently used to be the master torturer of the mob and, and is now outsourcing to the Grail. Um, and eventually he kind of whines about how, you know, it's tough in a gig com- uh, economy. <laughs> he has to, you know, go to different places. It used to be I could torture people just in the five boroughs, you know. <laughs> Frankie tells his class that uh, first they have to get someone's attention by shooting them with an Enfield and goes to great lengths to describe the beauty of the Enfield rifle. And he shoots a tied-up Cassidy, and and the party is just getting started, kids. So... (laughs) At the Holy Bar and Grill, or Grail, depending on how you want to read that sign, Jesse and Tulip watch as the Grail operatives fight. One man gets up and sings, getting everyone's attention. They join in, singing about starting anew. Jesse shuts off the jukebox, and Tulip says that they want their, that they want their boss back, and asks who is going to help them. The operatives draw on them, and Jesse uses the word to tell them to freeze. After they do so, Jesse asks Tulip if she's sure about it. She says she is, and Jesse orders them to work for Tulip because she's the boss. Yeah. The saint realizes that Jesse has moved on, and Eugene wonders where. His companion says that it doesn't matter because he can't hide, and the two of them leave the burnt-out remains of Angelville. And that's all we get of that duo for a while, unfortunately. Hopefully, uh, do we get a lot more Eugene? Uh, you know, the title sequence is a lot of Eugene, the Grail, and or uh, the Saint, and, and even Mr. Hitler. So uh, we'll hopefully be seeing a little more of them this season, considering it's the last one. So yeah, hopefully they're going somewhere with those guys too. So Frankie continues shooting Cassidy. He also has a blood, you know, bag dripping into him. So he basically kind of instantly heals for after whatever Frankie wants to do to him. Um, Cassidy's screaming in pain, of course, and he explains that Cassidy is special because whatever he loses grows back, um, keeps regenerating, and so Frankie takes out a knife from a case and says they're going to have to go Bensonhurst on his ass. 
<laughs> and Cassidy says that there's nothing Frankie can do to him that hasn't been done before. And then Frankie opens uh, Cassidy's pants, and you know, we have the most extreme brists in history. Yeah, and, with with the yarmulke and a prayer. <laughs> yeah, of course, you know. Hey, he's a professional. But, yeah, I'm betting Cassidy didn't see that one coming, <laughs> despite how much has been done to him over the years. <laughs> but, yeah, this was a very cringeworthy uh, episode for us men to yeah. watch, I think, uh, at least this man. <laughs> Dar is examining the scar on his head and looks out. Speaking on of penises, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> They cut and they cut right to that. Yeah, he goes down on uh, Frankie goes down on Cassidy. You hear the scream and it's like a close up of the head. Yeah. <laughs> um, Laura joins him and says that Frankie is working on the vampire. Jesse walks toward them and Star tells Laura that he's here. A gunner tracks him and Jesse arrives at the gates. Dozens of earmuffed guards train their rifles on him, and Jesse approaches the security scanner. He walks through and Star orders his people to let him in. Inside, Jesse meets with Star in a conference room. Star says that he's taken precautions, and Jesse notices an old woman standing there, signing what Jesse says to Star. The Grail leader explains that she's deaf and dumb, and Jesse asks where Cassidy is. Meanwhile, back at the torture room, Cassidy screams in agony as uh, Frankie continues working, and I don't know if we get the scene yet of him throwing the foreskins into the bag, but uh, <laughs> that's eventually what happens, kids, and it's not pretty. Uh, Star says that Cassidy is resting peacefully. <laughs> Jesse somehow doesn't believe him. Says it'll let him wear hats again if they release him. <laughs> Star refuses and said he has a different idea. He aims to carve a vagina scar into, uh, into Jesse's head like the one he has. Uh, the guard that Jesse controls turns and aims his gun at Star. The doors at the entrance to Masada start to shake. Jesse walks out as the guild operatives shoot each other and orders a guard to take him to Cassidy. Tam, one of the mind control operatives, uh, leads a handcuffed Tulip to the doors and agrees with Tulip's plans to keep the doors open once they get through, and the others march behind them. That doesn't end well for Tam. Does not. No. <laughs> but it's kind of funny. It's like... Uh... The word is very similar to the force, where it can't really make you do something you weren't willing to do already. Mm -hmm. So she is, uh, she is indeed a true believer. Yeah, tulips the boss. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Jesse finds an unconscious Cassidy and wakes him up. Cassidy complains that it took him long enough. Explains that Frankie circumcised him over and over, and I can't do justice to how the actor. Yeah. Perform that line. No just, doubt. Yeah. <laughs> just did a great job with that. Jesse chuckles and Frankie comes out with his men. They fight and Jesse kills them using Frankie's knives. Then he fights hand to hand with Frankie. He takes Frankie down and then frees Cassidy. Jesse says that Tulip is waiting and asks if Cassidy is going to do his vampire thing. The vampire isn't interested and leaves. At the gate, the gunners track Tulip as she approaches. Tam says that she caught Tulip reconnoitering and then tells Sarge, the man on duty, what her orders are. When Tam says that she works for Tulip now, the alarms go off. Tam breaks her fake handcuffs. And this is, uh, what's her name? Tulip, not yeah, Tam. Yeah. Tulip breaks her fake handcuffs, grabs the gun, and shoots. Her operatives go down, and Tammy is crushed by the doors as she tries to hold them open. And we just and get a brilliant yeah. scene of, of Squish Tam still on the job. And it's like, I'm okay, boss. Yeah, I can do this. I got this. Yeah, well, she's already, and she's already been, like, 
vivisected where her she's <laughs> leaning forward and her feet are like upright. It's yeah, it's pretty, pretty no, gruesome. Yeah, they. Jesse and Cassidy argue about how Jesse has to keep uh, rescuing Cassidy as they head out. Um, Some really good banter from them. Um, Guards go by and Cassidy complains that Jesse didn't bring painkillers. It's like, you don't even bring a couple Vicodin for a guy that's been tortured. (laughs) What the hell, man? (laughs) (laughs) They come to a dead end and guards order them to halt, and the two men fight their way out. I just wanted to add a footnote that that first Jesse fight we got to see was definitely one for the ages. They They've definitely kept the same fight choreography team, mm-hmm. uh, and they've, they've brought their A game to the final season. Tulip tries to pry open the door, and the half of Tam outside the door tells <laughs> Tulips to remain in the, uh, remain on the mission. I got this, boss. Uh, she says that Tulip just needs to throw the switch and points to where the switch is, which is up on the very top of Masada. And uh, Tam, again, assures Tulip that they've got it, but Tulip isn't convinced. Jesse and Cassidy make it to an elevator and they summon it and wait. Yeah, lots of notes that this is like the slowest elevator yeah, yeah. in the world. Yeah, of course. Except except for uh for Cassidy who, you know, was born before elevators were a right. thing. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm a little upset they, they didn't have like feelings playing on the music in it or that something. That would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh Masada looks amazing in this because when they showed it at the end of uh, season three it was like okay this is just pasted on because they don't know if they're getting renewed so it really didn't need to look any better than the ending of from dusk till dawn and now it looks like a real set yeah yeah it wouldn't surprise me if they did some kind of good location suiting somewhere because yeah it's it's they spent the money that's for sure hopefully it's not just for the first two episodes (laughs) yeah Tulip climbs up the wall of Masada for the switch. Star digs himself out of a pile of bodies from the shootout and removes his earmuffs. One of his severed ear his uh, his ears been cut has been severed and falls out, and Star sees papers blowing on a table. Jesse and Cassidy take the elevator up, and Cassidy complains that he was caught up in Jesse's fight with Star. They arrive at the lobby and discover that the door is sealed shut. Tulip reaches the top and approaches the guard, Laura, who is reading a newspaper. She draws a gun and tells Laura to open the door. Laura draws and shoots, and Tulip shoots. Both of them are unharmed because their bullets get Split the arrow! <laughs> yeah. yeah. They both think it's cool and fight hand-to-hand. So Jesse and Cassidy try to pry the door open, and Cassidy complains that Jesse gets people killed doing what he thinks is best. When Cassidy brings up Tulip, Jesse tells him, never talk about Tulip again. Smirking Cassidy says, Tulip, and Jesse punches him, and we get a nice little brawl between them. Tulip and Lara continue fighting, and uh, Lara finally knocks Tara. Tara? Lara finally knocks Tara. These guys writing this recap is, I I apologize, audience, because I used to write them myself, and probably made a mistake here or there, but man, these guys really need to proofread. Uh, (laughs) Lara finally knocks Tulip, finally knocks, uh, okay, yeah. Tulip over the edge, but she catches herself, of course, climbs back On the up. lawn chair. Yeah, yeah. It catches her, uh, climbs back up and, and beats Featherstone some more. She threatens to toss her over the edge, and Featherstone dares her to do it. She'd love to be a martyr for the cause, blah, blah, blah. And she does so, and Featherstone manages to glide away with the uh, her little wingsuit on the updrafts. 
is pretty cool. I saw that coming, though. Yeah. I was like, the minute she goes off, she's got one of those Tibetan flying... Driving, yeah, I figured that or a parachute or something. I, I didn't think that would be the end of her by any means. Jesse and Cassidy fight, and Tulip opens the door as Jesse goes out. Cassidy stays behind and says that he's got it, and we're going out. The doors close, and Frankie and his men arrive behind Cassidy. The gunners train their guns on Jesse as he walks away. Star orders them to hold their fire. Okay. Back at the Holy Barn Grail, Jesse tells Tulip that Cassidy stayed behind. She points out that it doesn't make sense and realizes that Jesse and Cassidy fought. Jesse insists that he tries to rescue Cassidy, and Tulip figures that they have to rescue him again. He asks if she slept with Cassidy, saying he won't be mad if she did. Tulip tells Jesse she didn't. Jesse tells her that's all okay. That's all okay. He says that tomorrow they'll invade Masada again. Jesse sleeps in bed that night and wakes up when he hears a storm in the distance. Tulip is sleeping in the bed next to him, and Jesse goes to the window and sees a mushroom cloud where Masada is. The phone rings, and when Jesse answers it, Father John says it's time to find God because big things are coming for him. The nuclear blast hits the building, and... Jesse wakes up from his dream, and Tulip is sleeping in the bed next to him. But then Star attacks Jesse, and Jesse shoves him to the bed and chokes him. But then he finds himself choking Tulip instead of Star, and tells himself to stop with the word, literally. And uh, Tulip's heart stops, but John tells him it's time to stop dreaming, and Jesse wakes up again. And he dresses and writes a note for Tulip, looking over her, still sleeping, and continues writing. And Jesse's obviously hitting the bricks and, and going his own way. But back at the ranch, Frankie uh, tossed Cassidy back in his cell. His little fight there didn't go so well, I guess. Tulip wakes up and discovers Jesse gone, reads the note, and then she goes uh, to get her stolen grail suit from the closet. Jesse walks on down the highway and finally hitches a ride with uh, <laughs> an interesting character. Laura tells Star that she'll accept any punishment he sees fit. He orders her out, and Star listens to the papers on the table rustling in the wind. He pours himself a Diet Dr. Pepper and takes it to God, who admires it as one of his greatest creations. Star says... You, Original, you right. maybe, not the Diet yeah. God. Sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> Star says he better be right about it, and God tells him he's right about everything. God tells Star they wanted to make Jesse suffer. And they'll make him suffer. Ta-da. So there's our first hour. Uh, yeah, hit the ground running. I mean, we kind of expected them to do the assault on Masada. Weird of them to start with the flash forward, though. I don't know. I yeah. didn't really expect that, but interesting choice. Um, not surprising, because didn't Caitlin used to work on uh, Breaking Bad, I think it was? I could definitely see that, yeah. Yeah, and that was very big for them. So, <laughs> so being last year, they're obviously like throwing everything at the wall. Like, f- fuck it, final season. They, you know, apparently knew this was coming enough that they're just no limits anymore. I mean, when they started out, we were pointing out, you know, how we didn't have, uh, what's his name? Meat guy. Why can't I think of his name? Quintanon? Quinn something. Yes. Quintanon. Uh, Look at this, but you know, he didn't end up fucking his big meat doll. Uh, so nope. we're like, all right, they're being a little reserved. They got you for TV, but I think we'll find in the next episode, as this one, that they've just kind of been like, yeah, we're not really going to restrain ourselves anymore. <laughs> We've got, uh, you know, the extreme bristle from hell on this one, and I'm, I'm 
I'm not going to spoil it, what you're going to hear in like five minutes, but there may be oh, some, Lord. <laughs> some edibles nothing, nothing going on. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, this is a very hard episode for me to, to get through in a lot of ways. Uh, anywho, um, The Last Supper, um, speaking of meals. <laughs> uh, so God uh, it starts out with one of our beautiful low special effects um, almost animated there's some, some claymation and stuff going on in there um, of uh, God drinking out drinking coffee and looking out on the creation that he's just made or at least very early on in it and he's admiring a dinosaur brontosaurus it looked like he's like you are my greatest greatest creation ever you know I'm so happy with stuff that I've made here he spots a double rainbow and laughs, and uh, the dinosaurs, you know, doing dinosaur things, and eventually takes a big old dinosaur shit. And and any one of us that's ever owned a dog saw this one coming. Um, he eventually <laughs> he starts eyeing his shit, and and God's just like, don't don't you do it. He's eyeing that pile, and God's like, please don't do it. Please me, don't do that. And of course, the the dinosaur digs right in, and and. God gets furious and brings the asteroids and <laughs> destroys his own creation, or at least that particular part of it, in a fit of fury. So we we now know where the asteroids came from. Yeah, and you get to see uh, pterodactyls fleeing in terror. Too, yes, it's, kind of awesome. it's a beautiful little animation. It's, you can't do it justice. Uh, <laughs> just that part's probably got to be on YouTube. So David Pascal, even if you ever known, never watched Preacher, go check out the weird little animations they do for us. Back in the present, presumably, or a couple months ago anyway, as the truck driver drives Jesse down the highway to the airport, we, we find that she's a former porn star, for one. Uh, and he says he's going to talk to God and save the world. She points out it's a little late. <laughs> Jesse shows her a hand drawing of a rock that looks like a penis. And he thinks Jesse imagines uh, that he's that she's Tulip momentarily, and Tulip complains that Jesse left her and doesn't know where he's going. They they pass a boy, uh, actually, I think it's a little girl, wasn't it? It pass was a, a boy. Was it a boy? Pass yeah. a boy crouched on the side of the road, and the woman says that she isn't going to help him. Uh, Jesse voices her to stop the truck and gets out and walks back to the boy. And then, then sad scene. Yeah, so she's, <laughs> this, this truck driver, she's like, yeah, they're always... They're always crying about something. She's like, he probably has, you know, leprosy or yeah. something, but he, you know, sure as fuck isn't a Christian. Yeah, yeah. And then they cut to her organization, which is it's Jesus, Jesus Decide. Yeah, so. <laughs> so the boy is crouched down next to a dead dog, and Jesse asks what happened. A plane flies overhead, and Jesse looks down to see the boy aiming a gun at him. The boy orders Jesse to hand over his suit, and the dead dog gets up. Jesse voices the boy to drop the gun, and when he does, it goes off and shoots the dog instead. The boy breaks into tears, and Jesse gives the boy some money, and then his wallet, and then his boots. Jesse walks down the highway and sees a man passing on a camel. Smiling, he goes over to the man. Laura tells Pipe that they've spotted Jesse. Star tells her that they have something else in mind. Laura figures that Tulip is the key. Her employer asks if Frankie's around to provides to provide surgical assistance. And it seems like I just realized the way this is written, this is kind of the story of uh of the Good Samaritan uh-huh. in re- in reverse with right. Jesse on this trip. Because he has his uh his three people that instead of 
trying to help, he gets killed. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because he does try to he does try to help all of them. Well, I mean, the dog only dies in the interaction with the little kid, but later on, we'll find out what happens. We know uh, we know Jesse drops from the sky over Australia, so eventually something's yeah. coming. And I was a little pissed at the opening titles. It seems to to spoil a couple things. There's one quick shot of of Jesse uh, wearing an eye patch, which is straight out of the comics. But I was a little surprised that they threw that in the uh, the titles. So it must be happening soon, I would imagine. Probably right after the the plane crash, plane fall. Frankie stops uh, torturing Cassidy for a minute to eat an apple, and there's another biblical symbol for y'all. Um, they talk about the effect of globalization on torture. This is where he starts complaining that, you know, he should be able to just do his work from the five boroughs. They, they talk about Cassidy's time uh, back in New York City back in the 1930s. And Cassidy promises to kill uh, Frankie the uh, same way uh, someone else did quite graphically, or, or killed a friend of uh, Frankie's. Wasn't it Frankie telling the story of the guy that blew his head off right you know stuck it yeah, up it his a, ass it was and, a it was a famous gangster that was probably around before frankie was born that's right yeah and cassidy uh, says yeah yeah it was cass's story that's he right shoved the guy shoved a gun up the guy's ass and blew his head off and he goes you know i'm gonna do the same to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, frankie asked cassidy why he doesn't just walk out and cassidy tells him that the irish never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> frankie invites the operatives to demonstrate what they've learned on cassidy so it's it's amateur breast time much to cass's chagrin Tulip shoots a rocket launcher to try to blast down the Masada gate with, with no effect, then drives up, and Featherstone watches her approach and smiles. Cassidy lies in his cell, and the strung-up angel calls down to him. The vampire looks, and the angel realizes that Cassidy is feeding on his own blood. When, But no, he's not. He's just she's chewing his leg off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Jesus. he's not feeding that little bit. Yeah. No, that's what I thought at first too, actually. But then I'm like, oh yeah. no, he's you know he's doing the old wounded dog the, thing. Yeah. When two Grail operatives <laughs> come in, the restored Cassidy attacks and kills them, and then feeds. He walks out and stays out of sight as Frankie leads operatives in a hunt for the vampire. A Grail doctor goes into a supply closet marked Urban Blight. Yeah. <laughs> And Cassidy goes in, closes the door, and says that he wants him. At the Holy Bar and Grail, a group of operatives drink to their fallen comrades. Uh, Lara talks to the owner. Is it Laura or Lara? I don't know. I think it's Feather, actually Laura. Featherstone, Featherstone is probably is the best, yeah. Should have replaced in my Word document here. Uh, she talks to the owner, Kamal, and says that she's looking for a wanted terrorist. Uh, she shows him a photo of Tulip, of course, and Kamal says the Tulip isn't there. And Featherstone demonstrates the lead, demonstrates to the lead operative and tells her uh, others to uh, bring her Tulip's head. And she she demonstrates her will by killing one of her head operatives. Kamal goes to the garage and tells Tulip that they're looking for her, and she's working on her car. And Kamal serves her some tea. Kamal wonders why Tulip's husband isn't there to help her. And Tulip reminds her that uh, reminds him that Jesse isn't her husband, and says that he's not coming back. Yeah, and gosh, does uh, I'm blanking on the actress's name now. She is she is just adorbs working on that car with her. Oh, Ruth and Yeah. Oh, indeed. And her. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> 
Jesse rides with a man in the camel, and another man approaches on a camel. Jesse's man complains about the other man. Ahmed is a Muslim. Well, the guy driving the camel Jesse is on is Coptic. Yeah. They shake their fists and yell at each other. They stop and argue. The, uh, the, the Muslim's got a gun. The Coptic Christian has a big-ass sword on his back. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse voices him to stop fighting and be friends. And the Coptic Christian goes to embrace his Muslim brother, but the Muslim guy shoots him. Yeah. As the writer dies, he says that Ahmed doesn't speak English. <laughs> the writer dies, and Jesse sees an airplane fly overhead yet again. Star meets with world leaders and announces that the All-Father is dead, and he's the new All-Father. They share a toast, and one of them asks if the Holy Child is safe. <laughs> Grail offered his chase a humper due to a fence, play um, If the Nightingale Could Sing Like You, and toss him a cane in order him to dance, but he <laughs> pretends the cane is his dick. Yeah. So they realize it's not him and shoot him and toss him on a pile. Of other clones. This is, this is their litmus test, apparently, and certain. Yeah. If you'll all remember, folks, yeah, about a million uh, Humperdue clones got loose last season. <laughs> apparently, the Grail's out trying to round them up and find the original one. So, back to Star, he's assuring the leaders that Humperdue is fine. One asks for more information, you know, saying you can't believe when you can't see. And Star tells him, well, that's what faith is all about, you know. And operatives uh, bring in a box, and, you know, you just knew that this guy was done at that point. And I just checked IMDP. It is a Lara Featherstone. Uh, so Lara tells the leader to climb in the box. And this is a you know, creative way to execute someone. Yep. The leader does so, and once he does, Lara pulls the pin on a grenade and hands it to him. Lowers himself down, and, and the last words are, of course, please you know, erase my browsing history. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he lowers himself down, and the grenade goes off, killing him in the box in just a very tidy way to execute somebody. The operatives just take away the box. Nobody has any other questions, obviously. Satisfied Star says that the Holy Child will be revealed soon enough. As they leave, Star tells Lara to blame the leader's death on the Australians. Because he's from New Zealand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, Tulip and Kamal watch Masada and calculate how to get in. Kamal warns that it's a bad job and he's worried about her. Jesse walks down the highway following the jets. Uh, Cassidy puts on the doctor's uniform and takes his glasses and checks the tied up doctor's ID. He looks at the storage closet's vast supply of, supply of drugs and, and makes the makes, yeah makes the connection <laughs> where he's like, oh, yeah. urban blight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I love that he's just like, you know, he knows like nobody's going to question, you know, the name, even though the doctor is a very, you know, stereo is Asian as a very stereotypically Asian name. It's like, well, they'll just they'll just think I'm you, won't they? Yeah. <laughs> Cassie takes the elevator up and tries to blend in, does a really piss poor job of it, but is still succeeding, tells the guard he's heading for another conference and shows him the operative's doctor's ID. They open the door, revealing sunlight outside, and Cassidy quickly retreats back into Masada. Back at the bar, Tulip sits and thinks, and Kamal comes in and suggests that Cassidy might have already escaped and they should wait and see. Says it's a bad job, he keeps using that term, and Tulip tells him that she's going to get Cassidy out of it, out of there, and that's it. So Cassidy goes back into the uh, storage closet to get drugs, and then 
into the elevator again, and Frankie and his men are there. Cassidy coughs, coughs up white powder as he puffs of the drugs in <laughs> on his body puff up. <laughs> when Frankie... When Frankie easily recognizes Cassidy, he uh, knock, attacks and knocks him off. He uh, arrives at the lobby, says that he's ready to go, and collapses from multiple bullet wounds. And Frankie comes out behind him with his gun. Cassidy not having a good time with the escape plan. At the airport, a pilot approaches Jesse and says there's no smoking in the airport. <laughs> Jesse voices, to, voices him that there is. There is now, yeah. Yeah. And has to be recognized the rock. The pilot says it's the lost apostle, an ancient and sacred site, and it's in Australia. Jesse realizes that he left his lighter in the truck and remembers the sign Jesus the Sod on it. This pilot is, is fantastic. Yeah, he really is. I gotta find out yeah. what who the actor is. Yeah. Laura calls Kamal and begs her not to hurt her, explaining that she and her that her husband left her and she's a bit crazy. Uh I think Tulip is who she's saying not to hurt, not her, Laura. Um a little while later, the earmuffed guide operative, guild operatives arrive at the bar and move in. They spot Tulip as she spots them, and they move in. Tulip goes out the back into the garage and then drives out in her car. The operatives give chase in their cars and finally trap her in a valley. Tulip spins in circles, raising a cloud of dust, and she rams all the gray, rail vehicles, which I think are... Aren't they all, like, Nissan Leafs or, like, some form of electric car? She's got her Mustang. Yeah, they're 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 shitty cars. She's got a Mustang, and she's just knocking these guys down. The dusk clears, and Tulip drives at the car with the last two operatives. They drive at her, but swerve at the last minute, and then drive after Tulip as she drives out of the valley. But they can't because they don't have the right. engine power to get up the yeah it's valley <laughs> that they drove her down. <laughs> yeah, not exactly high-end vehicles. The, yeah. the Grail's buying. Well, they're high-end vehicles. They're just not meant to be climbing places in Masada. Yeah. Anyway, our pilot friend is a guy named, great actor named Ditch Davey. Yeah! <laughs> so, he's got a, he's definitely got a, a career in porn if the other acting thing doesn't yep. work out just yep. by his name. Uh, he's, he's been a working actor for a while. He's done some, uh, he's in Spartacus. He's probably the uh, thing people would have remembered him from. He did a show called Sea Patrol from 2008 to 2011. I don't even remember. Huh. It was Captain Jim Roth. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he was just, he just, yeah, it was kind of perfect. <laughs> it's only in one episode, so, you know, he came in and owned it, and hopefully I'll get him some more work. So, back to the uh, torture chamber. Um, Frankie strings Cassidy up for his torture class. Let's um, uh, the students are now practicing on him. They give Cassidy blood so he'll regenerate. Uh, Frankie tells Cassidy he's worked on men who keep coming back, and they figure they deserve it. He lo- locks Cassidy, and and the look on Cassidy's face kind of confirms it. You know, he's, he's definitely yeah. Joe Gilgan is really nailing it this this season already. Man, I just I, I'm gonna follow him and whatever he does next. Uh, he's been a joy to watch in this show. Jesse has a pilot drive him to the Desaad House of Entertainment and voice him to wait. Voices him to wait. The preacher sees the truck parked outside and gets his lighter. He gets back in the car and tells the pilot to drive away. And the pilot points out a child looking out the window. Someone leads the child away. That looks creepy enough that uh, you know the, the pilot calls Jesse out. He's like, "Aren't you going to help this kid? Isn't there a preacher code?" 
Um, Jesse just it's like, yeah, whatever. And pilot says, well, God damn it, there's a pilot's code. <laughs> and heads in. <laughs> and after a moment, Jesse goes in after him. <laughs> yeah, that was great. So yeah. it did the the synopsis completely missed that <clears throat> we see uh, Hair Star has made a meal of all of these foreskins. Oh, castles. okay. I didn't know if that had happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was but, uh, just one quick, thank God, a very quick little scene. Um, but yeah, you know, for a second you might uh, you mistake him for escargot, but then you come to Calamari, the horrible realization. Yeah, you there you go. For, yeah. You know, I just, as soon as I realized, my mind shut down to protect itself. So, <laughs> uh. so uh, <laughs> this doctor assures Star it was a wonderful idea to have a new ear. Surgically yeah. attached to replace the old one. Once the doctor leaves, <laughs> Star looks at himself in the mirror. This whole is just made out of old foreskins. And it's pretty much shaped like a penis, too. Yeah, it's, it's just, oh, uh, God, so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you knew it was going to happen. Yeah. You didn't know how bad it was going to be, and it's about as bad as you can make it. Yeah, yeah. Props like, to the, um, the yeah. makeup artists on this one. It's like somebody somebody called somebody called the guy that did the uh, the zipper scene and something about Mary and was like, oh, yes. yeah, look at this. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. I'm surprised there was that many left after a, you know, stars. But it's the next, this the next batch, meal because yeah. the yeah. doctor had that bloody bag that he was going <laughs> to yeah. put on ice. Yeah, Cassidy's had some long nights. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh. The operatives, EMTs, clean up after Tulip. Kamal watches them from a distance. The EMTs return to Masada with the bodies, unaware that Tulip is posing as one of the bodies. She smiles as they take her inside with the others. So, Jesse relaxes on a plane to Australia. Cassidy is seated next to him, although it's illusory Cassidy. It's head Cassidy. Says that it's quite the adventure, huh, lad? And uh, he points out that Jesse left him and Tulip. Jesse ignores the hallucination and goes back to smoking. Pilot tells Jesse over the intercom to bang on the door if he needs anything and that he's turned off the no-smoking sign. He's always wanted to say that. And God contemplates all the pieces in his game while drinking some Dr. Pepper, Diet Dr. Pepper. And Jesse now has a, fi- a very nice new pair of boots. Yeah, yeah, he must have got him back from, from Desaad. And I, I really, we better get a Jesus Desaad fucking flashback. I'm sure it'll happen. I'm just not going to just tease that to us and not show us how Jesse broke the kid out or whatever he did. Because uh, they literally don't. There's just nothing. It just goes right to this. So, this is the pilot rushing in and Jesse following him, and then it's resolved. And that's just not acceptable, guys. So, it better be on the Blu-ray at least. Uh, there's just too much weirdness to mind with that plot line. So but yeah, great. Probably the best. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've yeah. It's, that's I think this is the best season premiere we've had for Preacher thus far. Uh, they they know time is of the essence, so I mean it's very dense um, and very twisted, and yeah, they they laid it right on the table to let us know that that this is going to be they're going to go out with a bang, not a whimper. I hope. <laughs> I hope so too. Poop-eating dinosaurs and, and foreskin meals and, and extreme brisses and good, you know, girl fights and good men fights and good men and vampire fights and just everything under the under the sun in this one. So, 
So we need a little more, uh, you know, Saint and, and Eugene and Hitler. Hopefully they can shoehorn them in somewhere. It's only 10 episodes, I think it is, um, for the is final it? season. Uh, yeah, so eight I more to go. I see how many. And I hope they just do them kind of once a week at this point and not do them like two at a time or anything because I, I just don't want to let go yet. So they got to make this last a little while. I suspect they'll probably do like the last two episodes in one night, which kind of sucks, but you know, AMC has fucking 18 different Walking Dead shows now they have to get back to, so. <laughs> Meanwhile, don't bother listening to my Free the Walking Dead cast uh, podcast anymore because it doesn't exist. But, but I don't know. I, I reserve the right to go back to that show if it gets interesting again. I just don't have the time to keep up with it right now. <laughs> yeah, I watched the first two. Whenever, whatever season ended with them leaving the prison was where I stopped watching that. Yeah. Dead. yeah. But I will be ordering the next um, compendium come October of the comics. Yeah. Those I do like. Yeah. I got yeah. the first three volumes sitting here with a nice side of me. I like how they ended the comics. I mean, it was inevitable if a little sudden, but, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. But, very, very down with this. We're going to somehow drag uh, Hero back onto this podcast. Yeah, he needs from to be him. here. I told uh, Brian Hughes he's, he's penciled in for for another appearance or two. I tried to get him on tonight, but it was too short a notice. Um we, we do promise been, to finish off Legion too, uh, which will probably come out after this. But oh, only one episode left. Yeah, I'm hoping it's more than an hour long because there like seems need, to be a lot more to do. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe they better shelve the uh, the long dance numbers and stuff for the last one so they yep. can get the rest of the story. Uh, but we're gonna have to cover that one two episodes next time. But we'll have something a little special, a little fairy tale for you when we do that. Um, see, it'll be worth the wait. Ah, oh, wow, we still got that in under fifty minutes somehow. Yeah, so it wasn't too bad. How about that? Good little uh, synopsis. Uh, if I'm gonna fall out of touch, but I don't have much else. I just love love the love the return. No, I was very excited. Uh, it took me again forever to get this because Amazon is for some reason waiting around on this season and the I played around with the AMC app but it's super weird about how to engage with it and I yeah. ended up deleting that from my phone so uh, YouTube had it I just decided I was able to buy the whole season for uh, 20 bucks yeah it's worth it yeah yeah, definitely I think our next episode what is our next episode called now if I was able to get the AMC app I would have already been able to watch the third episode uh, next episode is called Deviant, and no description really. So. Oh, and if you're a uh, if you're a Brian Hughes follower, he just put up one of his great uh, videos about uh, changing America, <laughs> where he's outside of a Toys R Us. Oh, really? I don't have audio, I don't have audio huh. on it, obviously, but yeah, he's filming. He's filming the outside of a Toys R Us. He he makes some pretty good, like kind of latter day Andy Rooney observational videos about the changing huh. landscape of retail um i don't know if i've ever seen these i gotta check that oh out. you have oh um i think because i made an andy rooney joke he deleted the one that he made at christmas time but <laughs> it was actually really good i just post i put on it like you know um 
My Facebook's weird. I mean, I, I like follow his notifications and stuff, but I never seem to get any. It seems I don't know. Anywho, uh, what do you got going on? Tell the folks what you do. This um, well, we just dropped our. Um, I sent you the Brian Hughes video. Um, <clears throat> we just dropped our Indiana Jones and Last Crusade commentary for uh, Next Generation's First Generation here at the Two True Freaks. Um, I'm hoping we can give you uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven and or Pet Cemetery before uh, September. Oh, the Those new one not... or the old one? The old one. Because oh, okay. it's, an- it's the 30th anniversary ah, this year. Oh, my God, already? Holy shit, I'm yeah. old. <laughs> that doesn't um, seem like it can be right. I think you're lying. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, we're... Uh, because, you know, I'm only 37, so we're just now abutting movies that I actually saw when, in the theater as a kid. Yeah. But obviously not not Pet Cemetery. I was probably 11 or 12 before I saw that. But, but yeah, Next Generation's First Generation will be back with new episodes on September 23rd out there in the ether. Um, starting season three of Star Trek The Next Generation. And we have already have quite a bank of episodes for that because we've been scooting along it's one of those things that's nice because we can be we can be done with doing the seven years long before the seven year release schedule is uh is over so yeah i expect you guys will be doing something on the uh the new picard show yeah that's the plan um and you can you can you can cut this if uh, if Chris says it's not okay, but I w- went oh, to him no. very early. Very, I went to him very early and said, you know, am I going to be stepping on you and Scott or um, the listen to the prophets guys toes if I do that? If I you know want to put this on the network, and he said, well, I don't think Scott Gardner is going to be watching it, and I haven't heard anything from the listen to the prophets guys. They'll probably cover it in their own way. Right, no, I don't yeah. think he doesn't really play that game. I mean, I don't think anyone else really complains about stuff like that. Cause, so I used to be like the, you know, movie guy. I used to do most of the movie five-minute freaks, and then mm-hmm. Paul started is it Jaws, and yeah, I just kind of deferred to him because he beats me on all of them now. Yeah. So, yeah, there's plenty of room on this podcast for the network yeah. for everyone. And, Paul, please invite us on your on your show. <laughs> we both like movies. Neither of us has been on your show. Oh, I've I've done Is It Jaws a couple times now. Oh, have you? I've, yeah. Which ones did you do? Have, you, have they released them yet? Oh, yeah. The first one was way back, Doctor Strange was one, and uh, I got to do Almost Famous. Oh, that famous. was a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, and I got to do Almost Famous probably over a year ago now. So. Huh. Yeah. I listened to that. I forgot that was you. Yeah. I love that movie so He's much. He's promised me Godfather three someday too. Cause I'm Ooh, I'd love that to like Scott. Even though I've, 3, nev- so. I've never seen it, I would love to hear Paul talk about that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, you know, it ain't one or two, and it ain't Jaws, but I, I still yeah. enjoyed it. Spoilers. Well, I want to hear him and uh, Chris uh, Tyler do uh, Goodfellas. Yeah, that would be sweet. I think he's already done Goodfellas, possibly. Has he? I'm not sure. I can't imagine he wouldn't have gotten to it by now. But maybe he not. wrote it. Hero doesn't like it, and Paul probably does. Yeah, Hero didn't like Goodfellas. I can't even imagine no. that. Jeez. No, um, he's got some weird tastes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's wrap this up. Um, I also do a little thing called with Umbrella Charm and Bowler. The August episode of that will be coming out sometime in August. I promise. Even if it's the 31st. I've gotten everyone out in the same month I'm supposed to. One was on a 31st, but damn it, it still counts. But so, me and Thomas DJ do that one. Have a lot of fun. 
and other than that, this is the only podcast I do shit on anymore. So this is where you'll find me. Uh, so that's it, folks. I guess uh, stay with us for preacher. And yeah, uh, I got some Photoshop making to do apparently. So we'll talk to you next week. Bye now. See y'all real soon. What's it like to be with a circumcised man? I'd ask you more about that, but Ron said the whole Jew things. Because when Ron had his surgery, all right, all right, all right. When Ron had his surgery, I said, "Hey, circumcise it while you're at it." You know, just because I've never been with anyone else. Right, Ron's well, the only is, man I've been with. What, what surgery uh, did he have? Nothing. I had a little minor uh, corrective surgery. Oh, Can really? we have some coffee at this table, please?